We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Roto Grinders today. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's Monday, December 11th. And you know what we do on Mondays? Mondays with McCool. I bring on James McCool, the co author with me of the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15 hour audio DFS masterclass you can pick up at theoryofdfs.com, as well as the Advanced Player's Guide. 10 more chapters of audio, as well as the custom Excel tools. That uh, that I do use for uh, for NFL slates and NHL a little bit, right? Uh, tons of stuff that you could use portfolio correlation matrix, everything like that. This alongside lineup HQ here at Roto Grinders. I mean, you're looking at how I how I build the long term profitable lineups, maybe not short term profitable lineups. James, week fourteen, we got what four weeks left. And by the way, hit that thumbs up button. I haven't said everyone in the chat. DJ's even here in the morning. Hit the thumbs up button. So James, long term profitable, but not the yesterday was not was not short term profitable for me. Hold 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 the thumb really quick. Week thirteen, you played a Joe Flacco lineup in single entry. You're telling me you did not win the Millie Maker with a Joe Flacco lineup this week? I didn't play the Millie Maker, so I can't win it. You're telling me you didn't win every single entry with a Joe Flacco lineup this week? I I I didn't I didn't I have no I had no Browns. Wishy washy. You played Joe Flacco in single entry last week. James. James. I expect to come on this show and get blasted by Joe Flacco propaganda because you played him again 
and got all of the Najoku points. And you're telling me right now that you did not have any Browns. I I I couldn't. I didn't have. I only had ten lineups. Mm-hmm. I couldn't fit in a Joe Flacco lineup because I had to play. Uh, I had to play. Uh, I had to play Josh Dobbs and, and Aiden O'Connor. Oh, what is what, what? I had. I had. I said when there's a chance for me to pl- to stack the game that only scores three points. That's inside. When there's weather, when there's weather issues everywhere else, when you, when you when you when you have to play the Aiden O'Connell, Devontae Adams, Michael Meyer, Justin Jefferson lineup, like yeah, I had to do that instead of play like pay almost nothing for Joe Flacco and and David and Joku. I'm disgusted. I'm just. I'm so. I'm so just. Just. I played a Desmond Ritter lineup. You should be okay. So that that's kind of garbagey. Yeah, that's pretty bad. I, I actually, I really like Drake London. Um, TJ in the chat said I tried to tell you about Drake London. I also tried to tell people about Drake London. Um, but he was twenty percent owned, so I guess it doesn't matter. Uh, telling people about what a play happened that was... with that? What happened with what? This is a guy that no one liked playing. This is a guy that no one wants to clip their num. This is the this is the guy that if you if you if you subscribe to the Blitz, Cardi's mm-hmm. Blitz, like Drake London is the second coming of uh, of Calvin Johnson. Uh, in, 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 in Falcons projections like this yesterday was the, if you, if you got, got even on Drake London yesterday after, then you, you got there, but boy, did I not expect him to be, I mean, this is the $20 millimaker. He was 21% owned in the millimaker and he was higher owned in higher stakes contests. Yeah. He projected, he projected well. I mean, it's not it's like, it's not like he should have been 5% owned, but like the things that surprised me were. Like, like Joe Mixon. Like what happened? Well, there? I mean, yeah. After so he he's been writing the ship. I guess I don't know. People wanted access against Indianapolis, and that's kind of been a thing that people have done for a couple of weeks. And coming off of like a really good performance on prime time, you always got to give a prime time bump. Um, I had Joe Mixon projected for seventeen percent owned. I did not have him projected for twenty six percent owned. Right, well, that's, that's just, the key. It's, and to me, to me, James, I just want to make it clear to the audience. It's like I have nothing against like Joe Mixon from a projection standpoint. Like, like I'm, I'm never, I'm never like you know baffled on like, oh, why did people play Joe Mixon? It's like it's not like he was like the 17th highest salary no. adjusted value running back. He was in the top eight. He was, He's he was in the playable range. I had him in. I think I had him in a lineup that I was playing yeah. Minshew on the other side or something. I get it. But I just thought that the, the disparity between the ownership in in running back, like I expected, this is the Millie Maker, which obviously I, I don't play this exact contest. I'm playing the spies and the power sweep style red zone, those types of contests. Yeah. I expected, like I expected Zach Moss and Christian McCaffrey to be the highest running back, right? I expected Arrow to be up there. I expected Clyde Edwards-Alaire to be up there. I didn't... I. I expected B. John Robinson to be more owned than he was, yeah. even though I, I played him. I expected, uh, like, Rashad White was 3.9% owned. And I yeah. knew that that group of running backs that was in that range, he would be kind of him and Kyron Williams and Josh Jacobs would kind of be like the ones squeezed out. I just didn't expect him to be squeezed out that much. I mean, I played him in, I played him in two lineups. It's just that this condensing... We've talked about the past couple of weeks about, you know, these ownership discrepancies. This, I mean, the running, the wide receiver ones are the, are the wild ones where 
if they're in, a, if they're here, here, here's here's the logic. Would you agree with this in a, from a directional standpoint, James? Whatever the ownership projections you have, like here at Rota Grinders, that like assumes rational behavior, but people mm-hmm. are not rational. When you, when you, and and I do do this. It's just that the extent in which I have to do this has gotten bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. If if the receiver is cheap, right, cheaper range. So I'm considering Drake London. I'm considering Rushy Rice at 5,400. I'm considering Jonathan Mingo at 3,500. If if the guys are cheap, wide receivers, the game environment doesn't matter as much, right? People like finding value wide receivers. But on the top end, like if you're a receiver and like I expected, like going to the slate, like I said, Keenan Allen was 7.8% owned. Like I had him at like almost 20% owned, mm-hmm. rejected. But the main reason why he comes in at 7.8 is because Herbert's not a value and the game's not a value. Like no one in that game is like a value. So people like, you know, pairing, like they're going to play Keenan Allen, they're going to play Justin Herbert. And no one wanted to play Justin Herbert. But then you see guys like Jamar Chase at 17%. It's because people were playing Jake Browning. Right, people were playing Brock Purdy, so Debo comes in at sixteen percent owned. When you, when most places you would project for eight to ten percent, right? Brandon Ayuk. I mean, you take a look at the wide receivers on the slate. Everyone wanted to play Justin Fields, and there's who? Who do you pair Justin Fields with? DJ Moore. People wanted to play Browning, Chase, Purdy with Samuel and Ayuk. People like playing Pittman. They will. They like the Colts uh, Cincinnati game, right? You take a look at all this, and it's like. Gabe Davis was 10% owned because he happened to be in the Chiefs Bills game. Like, but then you go down and you go, Garrett Wilson was 5.9% owned. I had him projected for like 12 to 14% ownership. Mm-hmm. I was under the opinion that that I'm not going to play Garrett Wilson because he plays for the Jets and people are going to play him. But mm-hmm. Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall barely were owned because who wants to play the who wants to play that game? That game sucks, right? It yeah. went over, right? So I, I see, I see like Devontae Adams. It's like, who's, who's playing Devontae Adams? Who's playing J- Justin Jefferson, right? Not many. Because they barely, I mean, Justin Jefferson was not much less home than Keenan Allen, and Keenan Allen projected way better than Justin Jefferson. Yeah. I'm on Rusty Brown, 8.4%. Like you take a look, and it's like, if they're not in a game that people like, these. These ownership numbers just start going down. And then and then the games that people don't like, they're much more likely to play. I mean, maybe not on this slate, like to play like a Jerome Ford. Right? They'll take the boring running backs out of like favored teams and garbage games. But adjusting your, your ownership based on that, it's it's become more and more barbell. It's always been this way. I've always adjusted in this way, just that this season has been like even more dramatically like. Like Zach Moss, I had it's like I had it like thirty-two percent projected on, mm-hmm. given to thirty-eight. Christian McCaffrey had like twenty-six. He comes in at thirty-three. But Mixon, it's like I had it like sixteen, and he comes in at twenty-six. Kamara, I had it like eighteen, and he comes in at twenty-four. Ceh, I had it, I had it like sixteen, he comes in at twenty-one. But like these, all these things add up. It's like as increased ownership happens on all these guys, it's like you're gonna get you're gonna get Rashad White at four percent. Brees Hall at 2%, right? Travis at the end was under 1% owned, right? You take a look at some of these guys and you're like, 
Jameer Gibbs, 3%. Josh Jacobs, 5% owned. Eckler, 5%. David Montgomery, 5%. I don't know. I don't, I mean, people get surprised at this ownership. I'm, I, I don't get shocked. It's just that sometimes it's still, still even, even a bigger discrepancy than what I was even expecting. Yeah. I don't have a great answer right now as, as somebody that builds this stuff out and builds out ownership projections and algorithms and stuff like that. Um, in, so one thing that I've found in NBA is that there is kind of an emphasis on players that are showing up in optimals at, at more than what is being projected. Um, but in NFL, I, I don't know. Like the, the, the thing that comes up is like these, these guys that don't necessarily have good projections are just getting massive ownership spikes. Like no, Davis. no, 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 no. Hold on. They, they, they don't have let me, let me great finish, projections. Let me, let me finish that. Thought. Let me finish that thought. So when, when you're building something out like this and you're trying to make the assumption of people getting on the plays that are more likely to be optimal, AKA the good plays, right? Like the, the play, the best plays, whatever. Right. When you build something out to try to capture that in the same way that you do it intuitively, the issue that you run into is even if you do it that way and you say, okay, well, DJ Moore looks like a good play. I had DJ Moore project for 16% out, right? E even if you were to say, oh, well, people are just playing the best plays. People are trying to attack this Chicago Detroit game because of Justin Fields or whatever. Like you still only get like maybe four or 5% up. You're not getting 10% up. And then the way that you have to look at that is algorithmically the way that you used to be able to do it is you used to be able to do it the same way that I did it with NBA and with MLB where you do that stair step, right? You do that logarithmic up. You can't do that in NFL because that logarithmic step considers all of the players and the way that NFL is built and the way that people build for NFL is very price group oriented. So like you said, with the running backs, like with those 6K to 7K running backs, you figured that Kyron Williams, and Josh Jacobs would be the one that's left out. Okay, cool. That makes sense. But to do that algorithmically doesn't make a lot of sense because even though you think that they're going to be the ones that are dropped out, like you don't have a way to say that those guys are going to be the ones to lose significantly more ownership only in that group. And then in another group, this is going to gain and this is going to loss. Like unless you were to tear that into brackets and maybe that's what I do next year. I don't know, but this, this year ownership has just been it, it like directionally. It's probably been about the same as years past, but when you're trying to build out contest them stuff, when you're trying to make like really informed decisions and pre precise decisions based on expected value for players based on their ownership, um, you're just dead in the water this year. <laughs> like, it's been hard. It's been really hard. So I don't know what the answer is. Um, there, there's a lot of things that I have to test in the offseason, but clearly there, there needs to be a large difference in the way that ownership is projected across the industry because nobody's getting it right. There's not a, sing right. there's not a single course that's getting it right. The, 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 the step approach that you're yeah. talking about, like it, it's positional and salary-based. This is something that you can do intuitively. You just have to think the next, you have to think of where those steps are. So for instance, right? If you have, if let's say, for instance, Christian McCaffrey was projected 
to be 24% owned. I'm just I'm just making up a number. Sure. And Alvin Kamara was projected to be 18% owned. Mm-hmm. If Christian McCaffrey ends up coming in at 33 and Kamara comes in at 24, so McCaffrey's going from 26 to 34. Kamara's going from 18 to 24. Where is that coming out of? Well, it's not just where is it coming out of, but what else is it affecting? Mm -hmm. So if Christian McCaffrey is higher on than you thought, and Galvin Kamara is higher on than you thought, these are... $8,200 8200 and $9,200 running backs. Mm-hmm. In order for more lineups to have that, those running backs, it means more of those lineups have 4K to 5K wide receivers in them, which means that if you're going to go in and do this intuitively, like I do, and go, no, I think I think Christian McCaffrey is going to be even higher owned than what is projected owned. Well, as I bump up Christian McCaffrey... I'm going to be bumping down other running backs, right? Because obviously he's going to be taking up a spot that other of any, of any salary, right? As you bump up one running back, all the other running backs have to come down to some degree, but also all players of the same similar price come down as well. Mm -hmm. Right? So if you bump up Christian McCaffrey to wherever, like that's also coming out of Keenan Allen, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, anyone in the high tier kind of higher wide receiver because lineups can't include those and not as many lineups can include those players. And then what do you start getting more of? Well, you're bumping up a running back, which means it's taking up a running back slot, but it's not taking up wide receiver slots, right? And you can fit four wide receivers in your lineup. So cheaper wide receivers are going to be more owned. As Christian McCaffrey's ownership goes up, Cheaper wide receiver ownership goes up. Cheap punt tight end ownership goes up, right? Mm-hmm. And then once you have the, the, the confluence of two running backs, 8,000 or more higher, you can't fit in Rashad White or Bijan Robinson or like another 7K, $6,900 Jacobs, right? Mm-hmm. Jameer Gibbs at 6,600. It's like you don't have the spot for it because you already have Zach Moss is already God knows how high owned as it is. Right, he's he's already forty percent owned, right? And Clyde Edwards-Helaire is probably grabbing running back ownership at the very low end. So as these things start moving around, it's like it's not just where is it coming out of, but how does it affect the rest of the lineup construction? If we have the other way, let's say for instance, if if Clyde Edwards-Helaire on this slate was eighty percent owned, he's not, but let's say he was. Well, that means Jonathan Mingo's ownership starts coming down, right? Any, any, the Drake London's ownership starts coming down because now you have the money for like now, now Jamar Chase's ownership goes up. Keenan Allen's ownership goes up because you're using a running back slot. That's 4,200. So now you have, now you have the ability to pay up at wide receiver, those types of lineups. There are more of them that pay up. So when you adjust ownership, even if manually, but definitely, this is what makes it hard, James, on your end, doing it algorithmically, because what I'm mentioning is not something that you can apply off the board, like across the board, right? Like what you were mentioning before, like I could look at this just from a, a, a very intuitive sentiment analysis and go, mm. yeah, uh, we have Josh Jacobs projected to be eight and a half percent owned. I'm just going to make that four. Because I because people don't like clicking that dude and no one wants to play the 
the Raiders, right? I could look and I go, Rashad White, we have it 14% projected on. I'm going to put him down at eight because mm-hmm. I just don't think people could fit him in because they're already playing Moss and McCaffrey or Kamara and just he's just going to get squeezed out. Tyron Williams, we have it eight. I'm going to put down at four, right? You start doing that intuitively, but there are certain guys that I'm not going to do that with. Like, it's like, like Bijan was 6,500. It's like, I think if people are going to play someone in that range, I think it's going to be Bijan. It turned out to be Mixon more than yeah. anyone else, but yeah. I knew Mixon would be in there. So if you told me that the ownership on Big on Bijan and Mixon would be a little bit off, it would get squeezed in two different directions. I would have thought Bijan would be the 26% owned guy and Mixon would be the 10% owned guy. I thought it would be like those would be the guys that if people were going to try to play someone that's not Moss, McCaffrey, or Kamara, or CEH, it was going to be those two guys. I was correct, but on the wrong people, right? Yeah, I thought Bijan would be higher owned. But how do you probe? You can't algorithmically do that because, like, it doesn't know that it, that human beings would rather play one or the, over the other. It doesn't know. No, but so really quick to that example. I had the combination of Bijan Robinson and Joe Mixon projected for 36% ownership. They came in at 36% ownership, just kind of on the tail ends of where you would expect a deviation to be. And the opposite, because I, I would have agreed with you that I would have thought that Bijan Robinson would be higher. Um, regardless, algorithmically, you can do it. You can. Um, it's it's a stair-stepping process, and it's very, very complicated. So I do it. I do something similar with NBA minutes. So with minutes, uh, I I have an automated system that that runs through and does updates every like 15 minutes. But say that we're like seven minutes from lock, right? And I and I have to make a change quick. So I have a system in place where when I zero out the minutes for a player, it takes away all those minutes and it knows that it needs to be 240 minutes given to a team, and then it will go through the rest of the team check against the position and then add minutes in a very blunt way from that player to other players. And like, it doesn't give all of it to one player, it disperses them within players that might play that position. Right. And then I can go in and I can kind of change it in and out. So that that's a nice blunt way of doing it. And you could do something similar with ownership in this way of looking at ranges dropping down ownership on a player and then having it automatically distribute ownership to other players within that price range and position, right? That wouldn't actually be all that hard to, to develop something where you have control over that. The problem is with something like that, it gets really complex and really convoluted really quick. Because if you go up in ownership on two players across an entire ownership range, right? You go up in ownership on Christian McCaffrey and Alva Kamara, all of a sudden you have to now adjust 50 other players. Right. Because you because you have all of this ownership that just went to to no to everywhere and you don't know exactly what is going to happen with it. So the the fine tuning on that would be having the understanding of okay, as a DFS player, if I up the ownership on expensive wide receivers, I also have to up the ownership on cheap running backs and cheap tight ends. As a DFS player, if I up the ownership on an expensive stack, then I also have to lower the ownership on expensive one-offs, things like that. Um, and, and you, there's probably a way to do it if you if you sit back. You know, maybe you and I can work on something like that for next year because this, it's, I think it's going to matter a lot next year. But 
being able to look at that and then figure out the way that it affects things, even even in kind of a blunt way, like even if you're not precise, even if you just say, I know that expensive running backs are going to be higher owned, so I have to up the ownership of, of cheaper wide receivers. Um, one more thought on that. A company that I worked with that that stopped doing their thing this year was Fanshare. You remember Fanshare? They did, yeah, they, did I, they used to like count tweets and stuff like that. Yeah. So and like podcast I actually, mentions and articles and all that type mm-hmm. of stuff. I ran their backend models for a year. Um and and like got to know their their model and their algorithm. And they did a lot of stuff that was like that, that was similar to this. They actually had a really, really nice ownership algorithm. Um, but they never they never quite perfected it to the point of getting like they focused too much on the sentiment side of it and too little on the actual algorithmic side of it. And so they they had more manual work than they needed to do, but they they had a, a pretty close version of what we're talking about here, where if you were to up the ownership of expensive running backs and up the amount, like the percentage of running back in the flex, for instance, it would affect all of the rest of the ownership in a way that made sense based on the lineup construction that you would expect. So there's, there's so much that goes into it. I do think that there is probably a way to do it similar to the way that I do minutes in taking away ownership or dropping ownership and having it assign ownership based on position and salary pools Maybe you do it in a way that's not necessarily the exact salary range of like 6,000 to 7,000, but maybe you have different thresholds of like, if you up the ownership of expensive running backs, which is 7,000 or more, then it's going to up the ownership of cheap wide receivers, which is 4,000 to 5,500, right? Like, the point that I'm making more, I, I mean, that's essentially you're describing what I do intuitively. Right. Right. But the the point that that matters the most is. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That, that, you don't have to get everything, like, 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 dude, I always say, it's like, I, like, did I get Marcus Valga's scantoons? Did I adjust his owner? No. Like, the, the people that don't matter, don't matter to me. Like if you're right. gonna be one or two percent owned, the the unless I think that that oh we project for two percent ownership and you're gonna be eight, like then I'm gonna then it's gonna matter. But I mean I don't care if it's two or three. It I mean it doesn't matter to me at that point. The mm-hmm. thing is is that that most likely the ownership and you could I mean you could see it you could I mean you see it right here as McCaffrey and Kamara's ownership went up, the mid range to cheaper wide receivers that are going to be pushed up are 
most likely going to be overrepresented by the top, the point per dollar value of the yeah. wide receiver when they're in the cheaper range. In, in the higher range, I think it has more, a lot more to do with game environment, mm-hmm. right? Doesn't matter if Tyreek Hill is $11,000. People find a way to plug him in because the Dolphins have a million point team total. So if people are upping their McCaffrey and Kamara exposure, they're not going to be able to afford probably Keenan Allen. The best mm-hmm. receiver they could get is maybe Jamar Chase or DJ Moore. And then the best point per dollar values in the mid range in almost every projection system I saw was Rashi Rice and Drake London. And then yeah. a little bit Garrett Wilson and Jonathan Mingo or JSN was there. Elijah Moore was kind of there. Zay Jones, Cortland. I mean, all these guys, I mean, all the guys that are in this green 10 plus percent owned or almost are the guys that if you use projections would, would show that like, dude, I don't care who's in the rest of my lineup. As long as I jam in McCaffrey and Kamara, like, dude, you, you're going to get a lot of Drake London. You're, you're going to get a lot of Rishi Wright. You're going to get a lot of these guys. You're going to get a lot of, let's see, you're going to get a lot of Isaiah Likely or Brevin Jordan. It's like, it's represented here. It's just that what is the extent in which this effect is happening? That's the thing that's surprising me. So yeah. like the effects where it's going from a salary and position range is, is, is expected to me. It's just that we go in and I go like, okay, DJ Moore will be owned, but like he's projected to be 20% owned. I think he's going to be 26% owned. And then he comes into 31%. It's like, I don't make enough of the adjustment where it's like, wow, I didn't realize that I would be able to get some of these. I mean, dude, I mean, I project like Mike Evans, for instance, I played a bit of that game. He came in at 6.8% owned. Like yeah. this dude was like, Last week was like 20% owned for like no unforeseen, no particular. He predicted okay. And then like today, like yesterday, no one wanted, it seemed like no one wanted to play him. In a game where people were playing Falcons. Yeah. Right? And then, of course, on on the day that he's he's low low owned, he he goes one for eight. Because people always know. They always know. But but, But I'm making the point that like, for every Mike Evans is also a Garrett Wilson where I, I purposely decided not to play because he was projected to be like 12 to 14% owned. And I thought maybe he'd come in at 18 because yeah. people wanted to play in that mid range. And I thought people like clicking on Garrett Wilson and they don't like clicking on Drake London. Right. But I didn't realize that Zach, once, once you say that Zach Wilson, someone's quarterback, like no one plays any of the people on the team. Just, yes, like, you did realize that. that. Come on. That's known. The industry hates Zach Wilson. The, the only time anybody point for dollar wise were Zach Wilson and Joe Flacco. The results orientedness of you lately is insane. Anyway, um, no people. Yeah, but I would have no, The thing is that I would have played more. I would have played Garrett Wilson had I known that he was going to be six percent owned. Right. And not no, I, I agree. Because I I had Garrett Wilson projected at I don't know more than that. Yeah, fourteen percent, thirteen percent, whatever. Right. That's what um, I. Heard. It's really tough. It's really tough right now. It's and you would expect. I think what it's coming down to is there's a lot of people. You know, we we had that discussion about how many people are building hand building optimizer sims the, the other day. Um, that I I think that there are a lot of people now that are maybe not playing um, 
with an optimizer, but are listening to a lot of content. And I think that a lot of group think is happening on like what the best options are. And to that extent, I think that a lot of the content right now is Sims and optimizer based and a lot less of like the tip the traditional, like here's his target share. Here's this, here's that, et cetera, et cetera. And that's why, you know, I was blown away at Jonathan Mingo yesterday. Absolutely just blown away. Blown away by what? By Why what? did people people play him? I play I I played a lot of them. That sucks, dude. Why? <laughs> I didn't realize that Bryce Young was his quarterback. I thought it was what, I thought it was Steve, I thought it was Steve Young. I thought I thought that it was Steve Young coming back from his Hall of Fame career. Smart yeah, yeah. people, smart people played him yesterday and I can Yes, I played him. You're what. talking to one no, of the I, I know. I'm, I'm no, I'm talking to a guy right now who plays Joe Flacco in single entry, who made sure that he had access to to Aiden O'Connell this week and you played Jonathan Mingo. Smart guy. Um no, but uh, other people played Jonathan Mingo and when I saw Jonathan Mingo's ownership when I was writing up my article at 15% owned, my actual words were I, I cussed a lot in the article, but what is this ownership on Jonathan Mingo? He's bad at football. His QB is a less athletic Josh Rosen. Don't play Jonathan Mingo. Like I, I understand there, there's a certain, there's a certain amount of like, I, I, I just think that people are getting overconfident in a lot of like the advanced stats that we see. And this, this is going to sound weird coming from me who is like very algorithmically based and very model based and like very math and logic based. But man, sometimes you just got to know ball. Like sometimes, sometimes you just got to look at a player and be like, yo, he sucks, man. I'm not going to play Jonathan Mingo. Jonathan, okay, people wanted to focus on like the 30% target share or whatever. While ignoring, one, he's got probably the worst overall pick at QB since Johnny Manziel. And two, everybody wants to focus on the 30% target share, but did you see him jump out of bounds catching a ball? Like two weeks ago, everybody wanted to just, he's bad at football. Sometimes, sometimes it matters. Like Marcus Valdez Scantling, if he's ever chalk, you just shouldn't play him because he's bad at football. Quinton Johnson, he sucks, dude. Like you just shouldn't. Well, yeah, he did well yesterday. He's bad at football. And he was, and, and, and he had no ownership yesterday. That you can play him when he has no ownership. You can play Jonathan Mingo at 2% owned, whatever. If he has a 30% target share and he's 2% owned, you you as much as anybody know and understand the effect of, of paying for ownership. Like, we all if somebody we were being cute, we were all doing it simultaneously, not realized. That's what happened. I uh, played Jonathan Mingo and like, uh, okay, I'm going to play 10 lineups and I have three Jonathan Mingos and he's going to be like 6% owned. And then he comes in twice that. And I'm like, oh, I guess, I guess everyone was trying to be, uh, I guess... We all tried to find a cheap wide receiver that wasn't like he was projected at fifteen percent. He wasn't. No, he I, had wasn't less, I had him less. than that. I, I I bumped him down. Why did what you? Oh, oh okay. Hold hold on. Hold the phone. So you knew that Christian. You figured that Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara would have more ownership. No, right? no, I didn't. I I no, I did. I'm saying that's what would have been the effects. Ah, okay. I didn't. Right. I didn't expect. No, no, I didn't think the. I didn't think McCaffrey and, and Kamara was going to be. I had more ownership on on projected ownership on Bijan. I had higher on Rashad White. I had high. Like, 
I bump them down, but not far, far enough. I bump like it's it's that's the point that I'm making is that I'm I'm bumping them in the right directions pretty much. Yeah. Right. But I'm not bumping them enough. So like based on how I'm bumping them, I look at, you know, I thought people will play Elijah Moore more than they did. Like I he came in at 10 percent own. I thought he would come in at 16 because of, you know, the recency bias. JSN. Like. What? What? How are people going to react to Gino not being in? I think if Gino was in, his his ownership would actually go up. But I mean, it would like all these guys in that range. Zay Jones became a play, right? People, I've heard so much stuff about people wanting to play Zay Jones. So it's like, how do I distribute this ownership? And I look and I go, well, this is all coming out of like, unless you're playing Rasheed Rice or Drake London, like I could see Elijah. I had Elijah Moore projected to be higher owned. I that that. JSN to be higher owned, Sutton to be higher owned, say Jones to be like, I had all these guys higher owned than Mingo. So my choice from my perspective was that Mingo was the leverage off of these guys and not the, the other way around. And it turns out everyone looked at that probably the same way and said, well, well, if people are going to be playing these other guys. I'm going to play Jonathan Mingo. And then next that's, you know, that's, everyone is that's not true. Other people were on Jonathan Mingo. There's a lot of content on Jonathan Mingo. Really? I, I thought, yeah, I saw like, at least four puff pieces on him and like his target rate lately. Josh, Be- yeah, like, like no one played Josh down. I thought people would play Josh Downs. He was 5% owned. He was like, he was like 23% owned two weeks ago at the same price. Right. That's why, that's why I was like, okay, I got to avoid kind of where I put Josh Ooh. Downs in my lineups. And it's like, nope, he comes in at 5%. No, everyone, yeah. everyone hates Drake London for like a year and a half. <laughs> They're like Arthur Smith sucks. This guy, they they like the guy. Like Drake London is a guy that, if he was on a if he was, if he was on the Chiefs, he'd be an eighty five hundred dollar receiver. Oh yeah, if, if Drake London was on the Chiefs, he'd be he'd like have fourteen hundred yards and nine touchdowns or something. He'd be a monster right. on the Chiefs. So I get from the IKB people, the I know ball people, they yeah. like Drake London, but I mean, no one likes Arthur Smith, and they think that the Falcons barely throw the ball. And they were favored. And I mean, like, that's what I'm just, I guess people, people, you also, the same people that like Drake London and no ball, look at the Buccaneers as, as, as a pass funnel. And it doesn't matter what anything else says. It's like, nope, the Falcons are going to throw the ball 53 times. And they just get it. The IKB (laughs) people, they sometimes, they get there sometimes. It's funny. And, and you know what? Here's, here's the thing. And like, I know, I know. Kirk Dees is in the chat saying, Saying Drake had the best matchup. See the I I'm know, tell- ball- dude. I'm Every telling time you. Time I come out, the I know ball people will be like the people that make fun of me for not watching the games. Are like, dude, sometimes you just gotta watch the games. I'm telling you, man. Uh, and and like this is this is my last thought. Um, on on this whole thing on I know ball and everything like that. The NFL season is so short. You can legitimately use whatever strategy that you want to use, and you're probably gonna be right one of the weeks. <laughs> And then, and then, like, it takes so long to realize the EV of the decisions that you make, positive or negative. You could be a total I know ball guy or a total logic based guy, and you're going to be right enough times in a short season that you're going to be able to say that you know the right strategy for next year. Because nobody, and, and I will say this on the record, nobody knows what the fuck they're doing with NFL projections. <laughs> It's it's so it is so wide the amount of people that are using different strategies and let's 
we're we're gonna talk about best ball at some point in the next six months. Yeah, best ball has no like like everyone's judging best ball stuff on like what is essentially like four slates. Imagine <laughs> imagine like, like four slates of NFL and going. This is the optimal way to play. It's like on four slates worth of data, and that's it. Dude, nobody knows anything. And with and with NFL, hardly any. But like when I I saw something somebody said the other day, they're like, "Oh, Dallas is like." Their pass rate is crazy. Look at this. Look at this. I'm like, guys, it's been three weeks. <laughs> we don't know anything about the Cowboys at all for three weeks of that. We, if they did that for like three seasons straight, then that we might know what they want to do. But three three games, man. Come on. Mr. Shattered on 13 is solvent. <laughs> Dude, and that's probably right. I draw names from a hat week. and I had a good week three. So like if to him... You- Drawing names from a hat is the way that it, that you do it, that you should be doing I, I am dead serious when I say this. If you use that strategy on every showdown slate, you would probably be just as profitable as people who are using projections. I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. But this is, this is, this is I mean, the, the mathematical concept behind that is just sample size yeah. issues. It just and yeah. the, 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 the smaller the set of data, the more noise there is, the larger the set of data, the less noise there is. So, like, at some point, 80 years from now, when we're dead, the DFS players at that point will probably look at us and go, these people were, were so ignorant because they only had this small set of data. And then after 80 years, it's like, oh, no. No, they would, they, if I, those, those, those DFS players in the year 2100, I'm going to look back and go, I wish I started playing DFS then because these people were awful. No, dude, I will guarantee you it will not even be solved then, and they will still be doing the same dumb stuff that we do now. Right. It's the year 2100, and people are still like, "Is uh, DFS is dead. There's no edge <laughs> left, right? Right. It's the same the same exact things. People are building holograms and everything, whatever. They're yeah. flying cars, and 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 it's still... You'll still get, you'll still go on, you know, there'll be some, there'll be some uh, stream with eight viewers on YouTube of some dude yeah. saying, you know, blah, blah, blah is a lock. And then that's what people, they still, that's, that's still what it is. People will be building AIs to play against each other on, on simulated screens of holograms of players. It's the, the NFL teams in 2100 are just whoever is expensive enough to buy the hologram of every best player in history. <laughs> no salary cap. And people will still be saying, oh, well, there's 12 mile per hour wins, so we can't play Aaron Rodgers from 2018. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. so, so now that we said how, how all, all the models are, are, are totally awful, where can people <laughs> find yours? <laughs> paynerdfs.com um I, I built in some some cool new stuff uh prop trends and game logs and everything like that so you can you can go find that stuff and if you want to make fun of me for being terrible at this paynerd underscore dfs on twitter <laughs> right i played aiden o'connell over joe flacco even though i played joe flacco <laughs> the week before <laughs> we we stuck at this <laughs> we're bad at this uh tomorrow we got a big slate tomorrow tim's on nhl the 888, I got a whole bunch of tickets for that. So I'll be focused on that tomorrow. So Tim mm. will be on tomorrow for NHL. We got tons of content this week. We got the NFL Week 15 preview on Wednesday. We got the showdown on Thursday. And then we got the GPP strategy with Score Patrol on Friday. We got tons of stuff. I mean, we got NBA tonight. 
right? Grinders Live, Crunch Time. We got uh, the pre-lock show. There's two games. There's two games tonight, right? I believe so. Yep. So we got a two-game slate. Yeah. Showdowns, whatever. That'll be on the pre-lock show. So tune into that later. Hit that subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell. You'll always know when we go live. And uh, you can obviously get our stuff also at uh, theoryofdfs.com if you want our courses after saying that. Uh, yeah, when 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 I play Aiden O'Connell and I played a too chalky Jonathan Mingo and uh, and didn't jam in Drake London, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It is what it is. You have bad weeks, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I, I mean, mean it, I, it is what it is. And sometimes you uh, you run hot and uh, and it all works out. Or sometimes you pick the right names at the hat, like Mr. Shadow Dog. Yeah, absolutely. So tune in, tune in the rest of the week, tune in all the time. I'm here. You know, I'm always here Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern talking about all things you're thinking about in daily fantasy props and pick them on Roto Grinders today. Thank <laughs> you.